Thanks for checking out this week's podcast from Center Street Church. We pray it blesses, encourages, and inspires you. It's easy to think of Jesus as an historical figure. He walked the earth, sure, but he walked a very different earth than we walk now. Most days, he seems very far away. Is he even involved in what's going on in the world right now or what's going on in my life? Maybe it's just easier to imagine him as simply a character on a page that we read stories about. If he's right here, right now, we have to deal with him. We have to make a choice to ignore him or acknowledge him. And if we acknowledge him, are we going to obey him? Are we going to trust him? Are we going to love him? Ignoring him would probably be simpler. But he says, I am with you always. Well, welcome to Center Street Church on this uh, wonderful long weekend. Welcome to those people who are connecting with us online. It's great to see everybody. This summer, we've been looking at those remarkable, inspiring, I am claims of Jesus. And if you've been tracking with us on one or more Sundays, you've uh, heard and received instruction about those I am claims. So let me just take a little risk here for a minute and see if any of you remember one or more of what those claims are. They all start with I am, and then Jesus said something. So if you know what one of those are, I'm going to say I am, and you shout it out. Are you ready? One, two, three, I am. Wonderful. Well, just to make sure you get them all, here they are. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the gate for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. But this is still August, and we are still in summer, so we're not done yet. We have one more great I am statement of Jesus that we're going to look at. And this is a great game changer for each one of us. So we're going to read it out loud. Would you stand with me? We find this last I am statement of Jesus at the end of chapter 28 in his last conversation with his disciples. This is what he said. Let's read it out loud together. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Shall we pray? Now, Lord, we want to ask you to speak to us by your Spirit, from your Word. Instruct us what it means when you said, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Give us ears to hear, I pray, Lord. Amen. Please be seated. 
Well, recently I was uh, channel surfing, came across a telecast of this year's Little League Baseball World Series. And it reminded me of the story of the man who was at a Little League game one afternoon. And he asked a boy in the dugout what the score was. And the boy responded, we're behind, 18 to nothing. Wow, the spectator said, I'll bet you you're discouraged. Why should I be discouraged, replied the little guy. We haven't even got up to bat yet. <laughs> now that's hope for you. You know, I don't think anybody sets out in life to lose hope. Because as someone has said, hope is the oxygen of the human soul. Some point in our lives, all of us hope, don't we? The immigrant family hopes for a bright future. The unemployed for a job offer. The person in the doctor's office for a clear diagnosis. The teenager hopes somebody's going to be their friend in school this fall. Single mom hopes the money's not going to run out before the end of the month. The dying person hopes God will accept them. We all hope. But we know that we can lose heart when the signs are not good. Sometimes optimism fades, hope gets replaced with pessimism and with despair. Lucy Maud Montgomery, the author of Anne of Green Gables, wrote, My life is a perfect graveyard of buried hopes. Someone has said, the four saddest words in any human language are these, but we had hoped. If anybody knew the pain of hopelessness, it was the disciples of Jesus whose world had come crashing down in despair when Jesus, the one they hoped would be their Messiah, was unexpectedly arrested and crucified, and they were filled with despair. Evelyn Waugh once said, there's only one great evil in the world today, despair. And sadly, for some people, despair is the end of the story. All we need to do is think back a few weeks to the shocking news of Robin Williams and his tragic suicide. But I love these words of Martin Rubin. Some stories end in despair, some begin there. And the story of the two disciples of Jesus walking on the road to that Emmaus village just two days after Jesus was crucified, their story begins in despair. But who knew that never again would those two disciples say, but we had hoped? Who knew that the greatest game-changing hour of their lives was just about to unfold? In chapter 24 of Luke's gospel, we read that as they were walking with their faces downcast because they were in despair, Christ mysteriously shows up. And he starts walking alongside them. He asks them what they're talking about. One of them, Cleopas, says they're speaking about Jesus, a prophet, powerful in word and deed, and how he had been crucified. And then he says, but we had hoped. There's those words. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but they didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it, just as the women had said, but him they did not see. 
then Jesus speaks to them. How foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and the prophets, he explained to them all of what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. And Luke goes on. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he was going to go farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took bread, he gave thanks, he broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? No wonder they got up and returned immediately to Jerusalem. Luke says there they found the eleven and those with them assembled together saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told of what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. And then suddenly, out of nowhere, Luke says, Jesus appears and stands among the stunned disciples. And then Luke says it this way. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. And then Luke says he showed them his hands and his side. It's like Jesus is saying, Look, I'm here. I'm not an apparition. I'm not an illusion. You're not hallucinating. I am really with you. And suddenly, it is no longer but we had hoped. Suddenly, they are no longer haunted by despair. Instead, John tells us the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Their emotions changed, their viewpoint changed, their priorities would change. It was the game-changing moment of their lives. Why? Because the risen Christ was with them. You know, I think the words that move me most from that account of Jesus and the two disciples walking on the road to Emmaus are these. Stay with us. So he went in to stay with them. What a moment that must have been. They said their hearts were burning within them when he explained the scriptures to them. Something was up. They couldn't explain it. They couldn't describe it. They weren't able to fully dial in to what was happening. They just knew that they needed to be with this person who was stirring their hearts. So will you stay with us, please? And then we read those heartwarming words. So he went in to stay with them. And because they invited him in, and because he went in to stay with them, it changed everything. I want to pause here for a moment and just say this. Jesus, the risen Christ, still longs to be invited in. And if you haven't invited him in to your life, when you do, that will be the game-changing moment of your life, just like it was for the disciples. Did you know that God has always wanted to be with us, to stay with us? The book of Revelation tells us that at the end of time, now the dwelling of God is with men and He will live with them. They will be His people and God Himself will be with them. We know that God wants to be with us and has always wanted to be with us because many centuries before Christ, 
God spoke through Isaiah who prophesied, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And that's exactly what happened. Look what John writes. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. And when Jesus, the Son of God, made His dwelling here on earth among humanity, you couldn't miss that He wanted to be with us. Jesus was incurably interested in being with people. He didn't live as a recluse. He wasn't a hermit. He didn't spend all his time fasting and praying alone in the desert. No, he loved to be with people right where they were. He visited with them in their homes. He ate with them. He spoke with them in their synagogues. He worshiped with them in the temple. He got into their boats and went fishing with them. He went with them to their parties, to their wedding feasts, to their funerals. He even let the little children climb all over him. It's as if the Son of God just couldn't get enough of being with people. And we know that He wants to be with us because this is exactly what Jesus told His disciples. Look what He said to them. If you love Me, you will obey what I command, and I will ask the Father, and He will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. You know Him, for He lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I'm in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him. We will come to him and make our home with him. Friends, these are stunning declarations from Jesus. Look what he is saying. The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, the triune God, will be with you and will be in you. And then to drive the point home to His disciples, in John 17, Jesus repeats these themes again when He prays to His heavenly Father on behalf of everyone who will eventually believe in Him. That would be me and you. Look what He prays for us. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. How do we know that He actually lived up to these statements? How do we know that He actually did come and live in His followers? How do we know that He is living in His followers in 2014? Here it is. The Apostle John wrote, and this is how we know He lives in us. We know it by the Spirit He gave us. And Paul wrote these wonderful words. God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts. But Jesus not only said He would come to us, He not only prayed that He would live in us along with the Father and the Holy Spirit, but He said, and surely I am with you 
always to the very end of the age. What does this mean? What are the implications of this amazing statement of Jesus? It means this, the reality that Jesus, God's Son, and our Heavenly Father, and the Holy Spirit are with us and in us, this is the best news ever. There is no other better news for the follower of Christ. When the great 18th century evangelist and theologian John Wesley lay dying, Betsy Ritchie was watching, and she wrote down his last words. Listen to what she wrote. Some of those who were most used to hear our dear father's dying voice would be able to interpret his meaning. But though he strove to speak, we were still unsuccessful, finding we could not understand what he said. He paused a little, and then with all the remaining strength he had, he cried out, The best of all is, God is with us. And then, as if to assert the faithfulness of our promise-keeping Jehovah, and comfort the tears of his weeping friends, lifting up his dying arm in a token of victory and raising his feeble voice with a holy triumph, he again repeated the heart-reviving words, the best of all is God is with us. Why did John Wesley cry out with his last words? The best of all is God is with us. Let me tell you why he would have used those words for his last words. Here's the first reason. Because the Lord is with us and is in us always. It means we are never alone. Loneliness is one of the great scourges of the human race. But because the Lord is with us and in us, by His Spirit, we are never alone. So understand this. When family or friends forsake you, you are not alone. When we relocate to a new city, we are not alone. Christ is with us and in us. When a spouse has suddenly died, we are not alone. When we're lying on a hospital bed in the middle of the night, we're not alone. When we receive disappointing news, as friends of ours did recently, that their daughter had just been in a terrible accident and is now paralyzed from the neck down, we're not alone. When we're struggling to make ends meet, we're not alone. When we are afraid, we are not alone. When we're old and gray, we're not alone. When we have sinned, we're not alone. Even when we feel abandoned by God, we are not alone. Christ is with us and in us. In Hebrews, we read these glorious words. God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So if you are an authentic follower of Jesus, you need to understand this this morning. Christ himself is with you. The great I am is with you always. There is never a moment in your life when you cannot reach out to him, call upon him, draw strength from him, and receive from him what you need because you are never alone. Here's the second reason. Because the Lord is with us always, it means this. Never again do we need to be captive to fear. You know from personal experience, don't you, that when fear has got you by the throat, it can ruin your day, it can even ruin your life. Fear of failure, 
fear of rejection, fear of poverty, fear of loneliness, fear of persecution, fear of illness, fear of the future, fear of death maybe. Fear is pervasive in our world. But the Bible tells us Jesus is the great liberator. He's the great freedom fighter who has come to live in us and to set us free from every debilitating fear that would ruin our lives. Earlier we read that great verse, and this is how we know He lives in us. We know it by the Spirit He gave us. Now get this, Paul writes, the Lord is the Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And when we start telling ourselves the truth, that Christ is with us, living in us by His Spirit, and therefore we need not fear, a deep peace begins to pervade our lives, regardless of the circumstances. And a settled courage comes over us. For He is the one who said, Peace I leave you. My peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. The issue, friends, is not whether we will encounter circumstances that lead us to experience anxiety and maybe even outright fear. Of course that's going to happen to each one of us. The issue is whether we will let those fears dominate us and maybe even ruin our life. The great apostle Paul was hassled by fears. Here's what the Lord said to Paul when he was sharing the gospel in Corinth. One night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking, for I am with you, and no one is going to attack you or harm you. This weekend, friends, we need to hear Christ saying to us, do not be afraid. I am with you, because Christ is in us and with us always. Never again do we need to be slaves to fear. Here's the third reason why the best news is God is with us. Because the Lord is with us and in us always, it means this. We have an amazing identity in Christ of security, acceptance, and worth. Now listen, friends, this is really important. If you're an authentic follower of Jesus, here's how the Bible describes you. You are a child of the living God. In Romans we read, the Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And the Bible says you are an heir with Christ. Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. And the Bible also declares this amazing fact. You are a temple of the living God. Paul says, don't you know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit lives in you? When was the last time you self-identified as God's temple? What an incredible thought. But not only are you a child of God and a co-heir with Christ, and not only are you God's temple, but get this. The Bible says that because Christ lives in you, the fullness of God actually lives in you. Listen to these verses. God was pleased to have all His fullness dwell in Him. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives. And then he goes on to say, And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And then he continues, Christ in you, 
the hope of glory. And then we read these amazing words. And you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. Do you catch the immensity of what Paul is saying? The fullness of God is in Christ. Christ is in you. And that means the fullness of God by His Spirit dwells in you. This, friends, is how God sees you. This is your true identity, whether you believe it or not. And here's why this is so important. In this life, everybody longs for security, for acceptance, and for worth. But because Christ is in you and with you always, you have all the security and all of the acceptance and all of the worth that you could ever dream of. You don't need to succumb to the temptation to try and manufacture, create your own security, acceptance, and worth in life through your own feeble efforts. You see, if we anchor our security to money or health or reputation or peace and safety or to life itself, it's all temporary. And if we anchor our acceptance in trying to win the favor of others, impress them, please them, we know how tenuous that is. And if we anchor our self-worth to human achievement, we know that eventually all of that crumbles away. Eventually all the accolades, they grow silent. No wonder so many people in our world live lives of frustration and disappointment and regret and quiet desperation. They're striving to build security, acceptance, and worth, and in the end, it all proves to be a mirage. But contrast that with your real identity in Christ, if He is living in you and with you forever. The Bible says your life is hid with Christ in God. How's that for security? The Bible says that because Christ is in you, God views you as His child. How's that for acceptance? The Bible says that because Christ is in you, you're a co-heir with Christ, you have a home in heaven, the fullness of God dwells in you, you are a temple of the living God. How's that for worth? So friends, because Christ is in you, never again do you need to spend your energy trying to create your own human-based security, acceptance, and worth. We need to hear this weekend that we have an amazing identity of security, acceptance, and worth because Christ is in us, and you are in Christ, and He said, I am with you always. But it gets even better because Jesus is with you and in you always to the very end. We can successfully persevere in the face of life's many struggles. And life can really throw some curves at us, right? I went to a party this past Monday evening hosted by a friend of mine who was dying of brain cancer. He wanted to thank all his buddies for their friendship over the years. I recently talked to someone who's divorced many years ago, is weighing heavy on their mind. I had conversations this summer with someone who unexpectedly got dumped from their high-paying executive job. I listened to an immigrant 
whose application for Canadian citizenship seems to be going nowhere. I listened to a friend tell me how most of their life savings were lost in an investment deal gone sour. The truth is, and you know this, at times life just seems like one hard, painful journey, doesn't it? Sometimes we struggle just to stay afloat, to not go under, to hold on emotionally, to not fly off in a rage, maybe even to not commit suicide. But listen now, if you are an authentic follower of Christ, when the struggles of life have got you pinned to the floor, we need to hear these great words of Jesus ringing in our ears. I am with you always. Because it is His life, His strength, His joy, and His peace that makes it possible for us to persevere and not give up. And that's why we read this about Paul when he is chained in the stocks in that rotten dungeon in Philippi. At about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. How could he do that? He's in a rotten prison in stocks. The rats are running around. The smell of urine is in the air. It's cold. So what was that dynamic at play in Paul's life that enabled him to joyfully sing hymns when he is in life's hell hole? It was this dynamic, which he described in four simple words when he wrote to the Philippians, the Lord is near. When he was in prison, he wrote to Timothy, said the following, at my first offense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them, but the Lord stood by my side and gave me strength. Have you ever experienced the Lord standing by your side and giving you strength? Because he said, I am with you always. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. He said, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. You need to hear the story of that great missionary, David Livingston. David Livingston was the great 19th century pioneering missionary to Africa. He graduated from university as a medical doctor, but felt called to Africa. That's where he dedicated 32 years of his life. And on his last trip to Scotland, the University of Edinburgh conferred an honorary degree on him. So there Livingston stood in that great university hall with one arm hanging at his side. His shoulder had been torn by a lion. And here's what Livingston said to the students that day. Shall I tell you what supported me through all these years of exile among people whose language I could not understand and whose attitude towards me was always uncertain and often hostile? It was this. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Friends, because Jesus has said, I am with you always, even to the end. We can persevere successfully in the middle of life's struggles. And here's the final reason why the best news of all is God is with us. Because Jesus is with us and in us always to the very end, we can live lives of powerful impact on mission for Christ.
Now, I want you to imagine for a moment that you were on that hillside with Jesus when He speaks those final words in His last conversation to His little band of disciples, and you hear Him say this, "'All authority on heaven, in heaven and on earth has been given to Me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you.'" You're shocked. Really? Jesus? We're Galileans. We're second-class citizens. The Romans dismiss us as uneducated hillbillies. And, and you really want us to go where? To all the nations? Really? You want us to leave our homeland and the comfortable security of our way of Jewish life and go out into that forbidding and hostile Gentile world? and preach a message about an amateur rabbi who had died and risen again? Like, who's going to listen? Who's going to take us seriously? At best, they're going to ignore us, maybe laugh at us. At worst, they're going to persecute us. But we know the rest of the story, don't we? They went. And over 2,000 years later, there are well over 2 billion persons of Christian faith in our world. How did that happen? Here's how. The confidence and courage and eventually the utterly unexpected and amazing success of the lives of those early Christians came from this one fact. Jesus Christ, Son of God, Maker of heaven and earth, Savior of the world, the King of kings, was with them and was in them. You see, Jesus had told them, without me, you can do nothing. But He said, I will come to you. I will be with you. I will be in you. He said, if a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. And that means that our lives, too, can bear much fruit for Christ in 2014. We, too, can live lives that are pleasing to Christ that will bear fruit for Him because He not only lived with and was in those disciples, He is living with and is in us in 2014 as His disciples. To the Thessalonians, Paul wrote, may our Lord Jesus Christ strengthen you in every good deed and word. To the Ephesians, He prayed that Christ would strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being. And he ends his letter to the Ephesians with this inspiring doxology. Now to Him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to His power that is at work within us, to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Throughout all generations. That means in our generation. So friends, here's what this means. Because the living presence of the all-powerful Christ is with you and in you, empowering you with His life, you can forgive your enemies just like Jesus did. And you can take risks just like Jesus did. Maybe some of you can participate in the CSC Young Adult Walk on Monday nights and courageously minister to the prostitutes and pimps and johns in the center of our city. 
just like Jesus ministered to the prostitutes. And just like the Jesus who is in you crossed racial and cultural barriers to share God's love, some of you can go on a CSC mission trip to another culture, just like Jesus did. And if the amazing Christ is in you, you can confront the powers of darkness and pray for the sick and the demonized, just like Jesus did. And because the living presence of the all-powerful Christ is in you, you too can go to parties and feasts and weddings and funerals of your family and friends and neighbors and co-workers and be an agent of grace and truth and love and connect with people just like Jesus did. And because the living presence of the all-powerful Christ is in you, you can love people on the margins, the special needs person, the single mom, the prisoner, the drug addict, the alien, the new person in the neighborhood, the wayward teenager, the outcast, just like Jesus loved the despised Samaritan woman. And because the living presence of the all-powerful Christ is in you, you too can graciously share the good news of Jesus in one-on-one -on -one spiritual conversations with your neighbor, with your co-worker, with your friend, your family member, just like Jesus did with Nicodemus, Zacchaeus, the woman at the well, and the rich young ruler. Friends, John Wesley got it right. The best of all is God is with us. He is with us always, every day, this day, to the very end. On the screen are these reasons why the best of all is God is with us, because we're never alone. Never again do we need to be captive to fear. We have an amazing identity in Christ of security, acceptance, and worth. We can successfully persevere in the face of life's many struggles, and we can live lives of powerful impact on mission for Christ because Jesus has said, I am with you always, even to the very end. Will you pick one of those that has special meaning for you as God has been speaking to you this morning? And will you pray to him? Maybe there's more than one. Whatever it is that is on your heart, let's spend a few moments in quiet prayer now, shall we? so good that you were with us. Thank you that you fulfilled your promise and you came to us by your spirit. And you are with us and you dwell in us each day, every day, all the days of our life to the very end. And with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, maybe there's someone here who has never invited Christ in don't really know that the best of all is God is with us. But Jesus longs to be invited in and he longs to be your forgiver and your leader all the days of your life. And if that's the longing of your heart, 
this weekend and I just encourage you to pray I'll, I'll just pray a simple prayer and you can pray these words quietly in your heart God will hear you and accept you pray this dear Lord Jesus I know that I'm a sinner thank you that you died for my sins please forgive me I invite you into my life now to be my leader all the days of my life. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for coming into me. Thank you that you are my Lord. In your name I pray. Amen. I want to say if you prayed that prayer, on the authority of God's word, I tell you that Christ's spirit has silently and mysteriously come to live in you. And Jesus is now with you all the days of your life to the very end. And best of all, God is with us. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, rest and abide on each one of us until we see each other again or we see each other in heaven. Maybe you feel you need prayer this morning. There'll be people here at the front who would just love to pray with you. Come and stay behind and they will pray with you. God bless you as we leave because the best of all is God is with us. Have a great weekend. Thanks for listening. We hope this message has impacted you. We'd like to challenge you to take it one step further and get connected. For any questions or prayer, please visit our website at cschurch.ca. You can also like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter 